0: You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. This morning I want to share something that God has strongly put on my heart. Often messages come in a gentle way. At times you sense the pressure and the power of God giving you a message that is somewhat different but very much what God wants to say. And this morning I want to bring from God's Word something that I believe will bless your heart and strengthen your experience. I was playing with the title. At first I wanted to title my message, He's More Than Enough. And I'm sure most of us could say amen to that. And then I thought there were so many times in my Christian experience when it seemed he was just enough. That I just made it. That there was nothing over. And so I've changed the title to All That I Need. I want you to turn to First Kings chapter 17, and I want to read from that great chapter in the Old Testament. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand there shall not be dew or rain these years except at my word then the word of the Lord came to him saying get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook cherith which flows into the jordan and it will be that you shall drink from the brook And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, "'Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink.' And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, "'Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand.' Then she said, "'As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread.' Only a handful of flour in the bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, Nor shall the jar of oil run dry, Until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and, her, and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. I think we'll leave it there. The Apostle John concludes his wonderful gospel with these words. He says, And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. We have in God's word selections of history and events that the Holy Spirit has chosen to place into God's word. We have enough revelation. We don't have the whole story. As John said, there were so many other things that Jesus did and taught that maybe there would be not enough books to contain all that information. And as we come to the Old Testament, Elijah the prophet, what an amazing man he was. We only have a number of experiences and, and uh, revelations concerning his life and ministry. There were so many other things that he did, but what the Holy Spirit gave us is Enough. And the story that we look at this morning, I'm sure that over 3,000 years, hundreds of thousands of messages have been preached about Elijah at the brook Cherith and Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. And as we turn the pages of God's word this morning, God's word is as fresh today as though it came from the the, the throne of God's room. It's news for us today and for every day that people turn to God's word. Elijah was the only man who went up by a whirlwind into heaven in a chariot of fire with horses of fire. I would probably like to know a lot more about what happened in his life. But what we have is enough. And the story that we're looking at this morning, I'm sure will feed us and bless us and encourage us. Elijah went to King Ahab and said that the word of the Lord is that it will not rain, nor will dew fall upon the earth until Elijah would bring the rain and the dew back. Now, whenever Elijah made a prophecy or whenever he prayed, he was part of the consequences of that prayer and prophecy. And so he prophesied a famine in the land. He stopped the heavens from rain. He changed the condition that there was no Jew at all that would come upon the land. And he, too, was a victim Of that famine. And we need to be careful that when we pray, we need to accept, when we prophesy, we need to accept that the consequences of God answering that prayer, of bringing that prophecy to pass, often will include us and maybe some of the harsh methods that God will use to bring it to pass. Often when we pray maybe for a child to come to God, things might get so much worse before they get better. And all along, God is answering the prayer and the prophecy of our heart. And so Elijah too, because of the famine in the land, God said, go to the brook Sheriff. Cherif means a severing, a cutting apart. And refers to the ravine through which the brook flowed. And God said, you go there and I will sustain you. So he went there for safety from King Ahab. Because Jezebel was on, she was ready to uh, to, to kill the prophet of God. You see, the reason why Elijah stopped the heavens... This was a challenge against the prophets of Baal and the religion of Baal. King Ahab married Jezebel, who introduced pluralism into Israel's worship. Alongside the worship of Jehovah, the worship of Baal was promoted. Baal was the god of fertility, the god of rain. Uh, He was the God of the increase of the crops. uh, And uh, she set aside the high places uh, which were to be for the worship of God, for the worship of Baal, and she killed the prophets of God. And so the very source of power that Baal had, Elijah prophesied the power of God and stopped the heavens And there was nothing that Baal or the prophets of Baal could do. And so she was after him. She wanted to kill him. And so God sent him to the brook Sheriff. There he had safety. There he had seclusion. He needed time aside. He needed time with God. He needed time to refresh. He needed time to get direction. For what he had done to the land was enormous. He knew the consequences of it, and then he needed time for sustenance. And the way that God sustained him was by the ravens. He was waited upon by these birds with their black tuxedos. And every morning and every evening they would come and they would bring him meat and bread. They looked after the prophet of Baal. Now you might think to yourself, that's a rather strange way of God looking after the prophet. But do you realize that the ravens are the next most intelligent animals next to primates? Right? You've got the monkeys that are pretty clever. Next to the monkeys, you get. The ravens. A lot of people don't realize that. And uh, the ravens were a remarkable bird. And uh, let me tell you a few things about them. They could mimic. They could almost copy any sound. And sometimes you could teach them to talk better than you can teach parrots. They're masters of accessing and hiding food. At times, they would work in groups where one group would cause a distraction while the others got hold of the food and ran with it. They would pretend to hide food in a certain location but actually hide it in another. If they came across a dead possum or beaver, and they couldn't penetrate the thick skin, they would make the sound of wolves. And the wolves would come, prepare the meal for them, they would get the tender pieces, and if the wolves didn't come, they would fly to where they knew they were, and they would be able to direct the wolves back to the carcass They were masters at finding food. They were able to communicate. They were able with their beaks to point to what they wanted, with their body language to tell the others what to do. They loved to play. They made toys. They entertained themselves. They ate seeds, fruit, fish and meat. And probably most of the food that they brought Elijah was stolen from the king's court. They could get away with it. This was not criminal. They were birds. And sometimes you think that he was eating carrion or dead meat. No, he was well looked after. You see, God's word is credible. You know, when he said, that I'll get the ravens to feed you, they had the ability. If God's word said, I'll get the sparrows to do it, I think we'd have some questions. It's like with Jonah and the whale that, uh, you know, we're told a great fish swallowed Jonah. And there's evidence that a fish is capable and people are, are capable to live for some hours in the belly of a great fish. And so God's word's credible. God didn't say that a sardine would swallow Elijah. God's word's always credible and these wonderful ravens that would come with with Elijah's supply. And Elijah then maybe would point, I enjoyed that lamb the other day. Can you get me some more? All right, he was well looked after. He had the brook sheriff that... That flowed with fresh water. Elijah was able to be entertained and enjoy himself in that seclusion with the wonderful provision of God. But the time came when the brook dried up. And probably by that time, Elijah was ready for a home cooked meal. Enough of bird food and what they brought. And God then told him to go to Zarephath. Zarephath means the place of smelting, the place of refining. In the Bronze Age, it was a place where they made metals. Zarephath. And God told him to go to Zarephath. And God knew that there would be a lady there that would supply him with food. And so he went, and we read the story, and it's a heartbreaking story, where this poor widow's out there, she's a widow already, she's lost her husband, she was probably a lady of some means, but the drought's taken her cattle, taken her sources of livelihood, and now she's out there picking up a few sticks and Elijah said can you get me some water and she was happy she must have had some source of a little water and uh, he said by the way can you get me a cake can you make me a cake and then of course she poured her heart out the only dignity she had left in life she had a handful of meal. A few drops of oil. She was going to make a cake. She was going to make a meal for her and her son. And then in dignity, they were just going to let life pass by. And here's the prophet of God. In a time of famine, comes to her and says, All right, I hear what you're saying, but make me a cake first. Give something to me first. We know she did, and then he made that wonderful promise that I want to focus on this morning, that the bin of flour will not exhaust, and the jar or jug of oil will not run dry. This was the provision of God. You know, I I would have liked a different provision. Elijah could have had the oxen bring, bring a cartload of bags of flour. He could have had a, a wagon with vats of oil. He had influence in the king's court. He, he, he tells the other lady that he lives with the husband and lady in that little room, do you want me to win for, use my influence in the king's court? He could have brought the provisions. That were there to this lady and she could have filled her pantry and there you had the sacks of flour and then you had the vats of oil. I'm right, God's provided everything I want. But no, God's provision was that the little that you have, I'm going to replenish. I'm not going to let it exhaust And the bin of flour will not run out and the jug of oil will not run dry. You know, that's often the way God provides for us. I like the other way. I like to get it all at once. Let all the money come in. Let all the food is there. And I can just sit back and relax and forget about God. I don't need you now, God. I've got all that I want. And God's word came to pass. And Elijah, I'm trying to learn to preach without glasses. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Elijah sleeps in the room. She must have been a lady of means in the attic in the upper chamber. They come down after, after having a good night's sleep with the provision of God the night before. They come down. And they come together and they join hands and they pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Maybe not those exact words, Pastor Marty, but that would have been the gist of their prayer. And then Elijah said, Sonny, go and look at the bin and get some flour. Go and get some oil. I think this morning we're going to have... I had something in mind. Yeah, we're going to have waffles. (laughs) I've got a little bit of honey left over from what the ravens brought me. And so right through the famine, the provision of God came in that way. You see, there was enough for the day. The flour never ran out, the oil never ran dry, they lived in a famine with all the hardship it brought, but the provision of God never failed, he was there, he was more than enough. I want to share something with you this morning I've never shared before. In 1980, just to illustrate the power of the Word of God, the power of this truth, in 1980, I'd just finished university, probably did more than I should have. We had a little business and I was helping in church. And I was going down Charlestown Road when suddenly I had a dizzy spell. I thought I was going to faint, that I had to move Uh, into the uh, gutter Uh, I, I, I just kind of lost it for that moment that was the beginning of my famine that was the beginning of an experience that I had as I look back I just thank God for his grace and his help I went to doctors it progressed it was worse I was falling to pieces It seemed like I was on a verge of a nervous breakdown. At times, I was frightened to go out alone because I didn't know if I could cope. I didn't know what to do. And then Christmas 1980, God speaks to me on Christmas Day. The bulletin had something in it from... Pastor Forbes, who was the foreign mission secretary, and it said that they're praying and looking for someone to commence Port Moresby Bible College. And here I am in my state, and I feel God saying, I want you to go. I said, God, you haven't got much to work with. I said, God, if you can bring it to pass, I will go. No one knew. I had medication from doctors. Only family knew. No one else knew what I was going through. And I I thought, the missions department's not going to accept me because of the medication I'm on. But God, if he calls, he prepares the way. He opens the door. And in six or seven months, we were in Papua New Guinea. Here I am in this state that I can barely cope with life. I can barely make it during each day. And I'm thrown into a situation to commence an advanced English level Bible college in that nation. And we go to Hayfield, and in Hayfield, we get some field orientation. We had no premises, there was no curriculum. I didn't know the language or the pigeon language. I had so little. And yet that's where God placed me. And I found that at times, I barely made it. At times at night, I, 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 my, my mind would be just so racing. And, and I just thank God that I got through that day. And then we came to uh, uh, Port Moresby and... We we had no facilities, we had a little A-framed home, and we lived upstairs and downstairs. There were just a few little rooms, and that became the kitchen for Port Moresby Bible College. Next to the house, there was a little roofed meeting area where they were trying to establish a church, And so we used that for classrooms. Upstairs, there was a little veranda that you could barely move in that I enclosed, and that was the office. We had nothing. We had no students. We had no curriculum. I had no experience, and we commenced what God called us to. I want to tell you that even though I almost died some of those days, The bread, the meal, the flour, which represents strength, never ran out. The oil, the anointing, the ability of God never ran dry. But I was not in a situation where I was flying high and I was coping. I wasn't. But God was with me. And he took me out of a situation that probably I brought upon myself and put me into a situation, a hotbed of stress. I didn't fully understand the culture. Their worldview was different from mine. And each day, at the end of the day, I'd try to run to get rid of the stress. I'd go to bed and I couldn't sleep for hours as my mind... No one knew, only the family and God. But you know, the flour never ran out, and the oil never ran dry. Pastor Arden, you've been in ministry more than all of us. You've known God longer than all of us. Has the flour ever run out? Has the oil ever run dry? No, this is the way God works. Often he takes us in, into a situation of famine. It might be illness. It might be where a child is wayward. It might be financial. Whatever it is, he promises enough. Let me change, let me change the title. He is more than enough. I could have reached out and got more. It was there. But I just took what I was able and got through till the next day. You know God in wonderful ways provided for Elijah. And then brought us into this miraculous situation. And you know sometimes we wonder at God's ways. I remember once. You know God provides. Uh, in Papua New Guinea milk was very expensive. There's no dairy industry. It's all imported. And you know you kind of get a hankering for milk. And we had an accountant in the church at Port Moresby for Burnsville. And uh, God caused a a forklift driver to kind of go through a container of flavoured milk. And uh, we got a whole container at Bible College of flavoured. I can tell you stories about that. I won't now. But you know, God moves in mysterious ways. God's provision comes. God is enough and then you know as as each year went by I really didn't get better as I would have wanted to get better I struggled I remember coming home uh, on holidays uh, and at times I would have to leave uh, the people that would come and visit us at my mum and dad's because I couldn't cope and you know sometimes God takes us through those situations and as I look back, I just thank God that there was enough flour and there was enough oil. And, you know, sometimes in those situations, God's promise to provide. We hang on to the provision of God. And this lady had done all that she could, the widow of Zarephath. And then she comes to Elijah with her child who had died and said, Elijah, what have I done to deserve this? You know, when often tragedy comes and things don't work out as they should for us, we kind of think, what have we done? Elijah represents the word of God. They never had the Bible like we have. They didn't have a canon of Scripture. The prophets were the word of God. And so she comes to the word of God that promised sufficiency, that promised as she was going to resign herself to die with her son, that God would provide. But in this situation came an event. Her child had died. Elijah, what have you done? God, what have you done? About two months when we were in Papua New Guinea, Michael caught something in the glands in his throat. I'd never seen him swell so much. And I've never seen glands swell like that again. He was out like this. I managed to find an expat doctor and he came and he said, look, Maybe it's something that antibiotics can think or it could be something far more serious. And you know, I thought, God, this is not right. And sometimes we think like that. We experience God's provision. Then there comes a setback and Elijah takes that boy. He takes him up to his upper chamber. He places him on the bed and he comes upon him. He lets the life of God within him, the word of God, penetrate. And after doing that three times, the boy comes to life again. Elijah comes downstairs and gives the widow her son. And she says, now I know that your word." is. Is true and we take hold of God's word in situations like that God what are you doing this shouldn't happen this could be serious and then you, you get the word of God and you you place it upon your situation you take its truths and you let the truth penetrate and you believe God and God comes through and you know that God's word is yea and amen about a year and a half later It's coming home in a plane from Hagen. I have shared this. And uh, there for a conference or something. and, And you had terrific weather conditions. And if you want to get from one side to the other side, Port Moresby's on this side, Hagen's on the other. You've got a mountain range. And when it's cloudy, the planes don't fly by instruments so much. They fly more by sight. And we're on this plane returning home, and he's spending hours in the sky. He can't find the gap. He can't find where he's got to go through. If he doesn't go through there, he's going to hit the mountains. And we had a few ladies on board that were catering for the conference, and they got hysterical. They were crying, Jesus, save us, help. And, you know, that doesn't help the atmosphere (laughs) <laughs> you know, you're there, uh, you're wondering. And, and then I looked outside the window. And as thick cloud as it was, it seemed only meters away, there was another airplane. I mentioned that to the pilot later. He said, I had no knowledge. And I thought, well, God, I know we've all got to go sometimes. Maybe this is it. But once again, you realize that, there's a call of God. There's a work of God upon your life. And I, I, you, you, what, what can you do? You've got to resign yourself. This may be it. But God, once again, the power of his word covers us and comes upon us. Uh, and he fulfills the promises he has made. And I had one other experience, which I'll share quickly. I had a. This is probably six months, and the church, he had a lot to do with this one. I got malaria in a very serious way. You feel like your body's falling to pieces, you're hot, you're cold, your brain's gone funny. You know, some missionaries chase their their wives with axes. And the wives know what's going on, you know, your kind of, your brain. And, and nothing seemed to work. The fans, the dara I was taking, big. Do- I just wasn't. And, and, and the church knew they wanted to send my parents over. And the church prayed. And I got out of it. But you see, life's just not, no problems at all. Life's opportunities for God to work. And the power of God to manifest himself. The wonder of God and God never failed. And I want to say, Pastor Marty, the bin of flour will not fail. The jug of oil will not run dry. Pastor Margot, I say the same. The bin of flour will never run out. The jar of oil will remain. I've missed your preaching. You know, I can't preach like Pastor Margot. She's got that relationship way of preaching, of getting all these things. I can never do that. I've missed that. Praise God. Pastor Joel, the meal, the flour will never run out. And the oil will never run dry. And I say that to all of us Today. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say uh, the bin of oil will not fail. Say it to someone. Believe it. Turn around and say to the other neighbor, the jug of oil will not fail, will not run dry. He's all we need. No, he is more than enough. And I found through life, as I look back on that, I never received healing. But slowly, I got better God's way. In some ways, my preference would have been total healing. But I wouldn't have experienced the power of God's word as it brought me through. You know, David said these words and with these i close i haven't spoken on all that i had notes but i didn't feel to this morning but you know in psalm 37 and verse 25 david says i have been young you know you young people need to realize that we older people were young ones <laughs> and now i'm old Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. That's the power of God's word. That's the might. That's the wonder of God's word. That's the revelation God has given us that when he saved us, he didn't leave us to ourselves, but he placed us into the sea of his provision and his care. And sometimes that includes famines. Sometimes that includes the unexpected. Her son died. But it gives opportunity for God to show you the greatness of his power. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joel.